So I am talking today to Joe Sellers, who is a dog trainer specializing in working with dogs with separation anxiety and also adolescent dogs. And she has written a book, which she's going to be talking about. So Joe, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Hi, thank you for this. I'm Joe, so I'm based down in Surrey, and my main specialism is separation anxiety. So I'm a reward-based trainer, um, fully accredited, and I'm a certified separation anxiety specialist. And I got into that because my girl could not be left home alone at all. And I wanted to find nice, kind, humane methods that actually worked to help her. And through this, obviously, I've been working with lots of clients for, with dogs of all ages. And although I do love the puppies, the cute little bundles of fluff for the training, but I feel they see more with the adolescent dogs and just how they develop with some help and some guidance. So this is why I also wrote the book about adolescent dogs. There's lots of puppy books out on the market or specialist books like for recall. But the adolescent is such a challenging phase. After speaking to a couple of rescues, the number of teenage dogs given up at the moment because people just think their dogs got stubborn, mm -hmm. naughty. They just can't cope with the teenage um, belligerence yeah. in a dog. And I really wanted to help owners help them understand that they're not spiteful. They're not doing this to test you. They're just struggling dogs. Mm -hmm. I wanted some guides to help owners with some exercises about normal challenging behaviours that adolescent dogs show. So this is where, um, yeah, the book and my separation work have all come from. Wow, okay. I love how it's kind of, I love it when things just like evolve naturally um, and you identifying that, that you know, Yes, you've got the separation anxiety work, but this is an area where people really need help. Um, and yeah, and then you know, packaging that up as a book, which is brilliant. You touched on it there a little bit about the rescues, and obviously, we're as we're talking today, we're in um, you know, spring 2023. We've had the pandemic, we've had the puppy, um, the puppy boom, um, and you know, the news at the moment is that rescues are really struggling and kind of you know, bursting with unwanted dogs many of which are puppies and or lockdown puppies who are now adolescent dogs aren't they so can you tell us about some of like you know some of the facts and figures around that and um you know when and how many um you know what the percentages are really of the adolescent dogs that find themselves in rescue yeah so i've spoken to a few charities here the dogs trust came back and their percentage of adolescent dogs to all their rescues, um, it's gone up from 21 to 27%, which doesn't sound like much, but when you think of the scale of Dogs Trust, there's actually a huge number of dogs. So over a quarter are between six months and under three. Now, not all of them would have been given up because they're teenage dogs. There's obviously a whole range of factors like affordability, housing crisis. There's a whole range of factors. Um, so for that, again, if you look at the scale, it's a very big percentage. Yeah. And then I spoke with Spaniel Aids, um, and they were telling me that out of every four inquiries, they can only foster one out of every four requests that they get. And this is quite true to a lot of the small rescues. Um, I work with like Epsom Canine Rescue um, and, you know, some others. 
Um, but Spaniel Aid was saying that they have an awful lot of teenage dogs. About 80% are under two, and most of them are male. Oh. And they come in with a lot of um, guarding, minor bite issues, just because the pe owners may not have understood that these things can happen and therefore didn't know how to deal with it. And then the situation just escalates and escalates to a point where the dog can no longer be at that home as well. Again, there's many mitigating factors, um, but from 27% on a major rehoming charity to 80%, um, and that's just one breed specific group. Um, and if you put in all the small rescues together, I mean, we, it's an awful lot of teenage dogs that get given up on. Such a shame. We had a Cocker Spaniel growing up, and um, I say growing up, I was 18 when we got him, and he was my brother's dog. John was like 13 at the time, and he was lovely, and he was crazy, and, you know, he he, he lived a good old life. He lived to 16. Um, but, you know, Cocker Spaniels are, you know, Spaniels are full-on dogs, aren't they? They're lovely, but they're yeah. full-on. And I I know you'll have seen it where you live as well, where I live, like, literally, there's a Spaniel on every corner. Every time you go for what you see, like, so many of them, and with young families and and I guess well, you know, if you've got a spaniel who is, you know, biting or resource guarding with a young family, they they just, you know, they just don't stand a chance, do they? And it's absolutely heartbreaking yeah. um to see these lovely dogs being given up when the and also, you know, why why it's so important that you know that support is out there from things like you and your book um and the great work that you do. So just I know you touched on it there a little bit, but just so um, I can understand and people reading or listening can understand, what is the adolescent, what's the definition of an adolescent or teenage dog? Adolescent is normally classed when their adult teeth come through. Yeah. So they shed their puppy needles. That really hurts when your puppy is chewing on your finger. Um, so when their teeth come through about five, six months old, through to about two, three ish years and the reason it's all a very big ish is that a small chihuahua actually develops faster than maybe like a newfoundland yeah so the larger breeds their teenage months stretch on longer so like labradors yeah a labrador will still be a teenager about two two and a half mm -hmm. and yet a little yorkie would probably be a lot more mature physically and emotionally mature at that point compared to a larger breed dog. So this is, this, the start is very consistent, but then because of the size of the dog and obviously within the range, if you take labs, because obviously they're really popular, um, some labs will be reaching a lot more sensible maturity earlier than some other labs who never seem to grow up. Because um, there's obviously genetics, nurture, there's a whole other range of factors in. Um, but yeah, it tends to be the first few years of their life. Brilliant. Okay. And then tell us about like how you, the kind of changes you might expect to see. Again, it's a long time since I've had a puppy or, or an adolescent dog, really. Um, but what kind of changes do you tend to see from puppy, you know, lovely, cuddly puppy to adolescent dog um you know that that then might turn into challenging behavior when they hit adolescence they go through 
major hormonal changes, their brain actually changes. It doesn't just get bigger, it reforms. And they naturally are more curious, they're more adventurous, but then they also develop more fear periods. And it's not like a set number of weeks is very measurable in young puppies, but it's like waves, it comes and goes. So what was once fine to walk past, now isn't. And then the next week it's okay again. The dogs naturally want to explore more. They explore their surroundings, they go further. But because their brains are reforming, they almost, we label them deaf or stubborn, but they're just not very good at multitasking. They're so easily distracted that they forget to listen. And so therefore they just disappear off. I'm just running after them, shouting at them, but the dogs, they're engaging their noses because, oh, well, look at this new place to explore. And once the noses are engaged, the ears switch off. Um, so, and a lot of people think, oh, they, they know it. We went to puppy class. They should know how to do this. But the whole development internally in a dog is, is very fascinating. It's not just they know it and they just get better and better. It's not like a straight linear scale. And this is where the problem comes. People invest in puppy training yeah. and then think that's it. The dog knows it. Why aren't they doing it? And the reason I wanted to write the book was to explain, well, the dog can't help it. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like humans. You've got teenagers, you know, you think, oh, they're a really nice kid. They're a really nice kid. <laughs> Suddenly they wake up, they're a nightmare. They go to the pub, they miss their curfew. They're three hours late home. It, it's yeah. just... And it's not because they're doing it deliberately. It's just that they so lose track of time because they're having so much fun. That The sensible part is the last part to develop in the brain. So they develop all these emotions, all these instincts, but the rational part that um, modifies these emotions is the very last part to develop. And the same with our dogs. And so you put all this effort in and you just think it's not working, but literally keep going when you come out the other side honestly your dog's going to be wonderful they always have their little quirks i mean we're not going to keep a personality out of a dog yeah but they 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 calm down a little bit they listen a bit more you've got that relationship back with them it's so similar to uh to teenage teenagers human teenagers as well isn't it i'm just chuckling as you're as you're chatting and thinking about like no, I can't possibly look at you or speak to you because I've got my mobile phone here in my hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, multitasking, not good. The development, they're, they're all mammals. The development is really, really similar, really similar um, in the way the mammalian brain and body um, matures. I think a lot of people make the mistake, and it's very common too. I mean, you see a dog and it looks adult. It's physically the size of what would be a mature adult dog. So you expect it to behave like an adult, but actually the brain is still a puppy brain, even though they are a 30, 40, 50 kilogram, you know, chunky lab. Sorry, I'll keep picking on the labs here, but obviously there's other breeds. Um, So they look like an adult, but they don't behave like it. And this can be very frustrating for owners because they just don't understand, well, why aren't they? Um, But your dog's just got a foggy brain and it's foggy for about a year or two. And it, the, we, the book was written to help people fight through that fog, keep the relationships. So it's not just getting, oh, my dogs become naughty. My dog's behaving badly. No, they're not. They're just being a teenager. And it's finding games and things to help 
keep that relationship, nurture that relationship, because there's been science to show that the stronger the relationship you can keep, yeah. i.e. not getting frustrated and shouting at your dog, the quicker and easier they will come out of adolescence the other side. Um, yeah, so that's really the focus for why I've I chose this subject because I think it's amazingly fascinated, um, little researched. When you see people, they just go, oh, you've got a teenage dog. Oh, it'd be better when they're two. Yeah. As if their second birthday is a magic birthday. No, it isn't. Nothing changes on their second birthday. <laughs> In fact, my girl got worse till about her third or fourth birthday. Oh, my gosh. Terrible toddler tantrums, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, um, I'm just um, thinking about like my dog. So we we had Charlie as being a puppy, but I was away at uni, so I didn't really see his, you know, he was always actually very well behaved, but I didn't ever kind of see all of this. We got Daisy when she, or I got Daisy when she was five. So she, but she was just crazy anyway. Um, and then we had Patch, but we got him when he, we got him just after his second birthday. And we were very lucky because we worked with a behaviourist trainer up here called Sue. Um, and she taught us loads, of, loads and loads of great things. Um, but he, when he came to us, his old family were, they were brilliant. And they said, okay, he's, you know, this is what his character is like. He's very gentle. He's lovely with children. He's very, you know, he's a very affectionate dog, very family orientated and all those great things. But he, um, you know, he's, he's, he, he could be easily distracted and he's not very good at coming back when you call him and he gets really excited sometimes. So the things we worked on, I've written about it on the blog, um, like from back then was things like impulse control, recall, Crate training and um, being and just being being a little bit bit less crazy, a little bit more calm. It was yeah. nowhere near as crazy as Daisy, who was still crazy when she was like thirteen. But um, but yeah, he's a you know he is a calmer dog definitely now. When I think back about like young Patch and the stuff that we used to do with him to um to get his attention, he's still got a touch of the teenage about him. He's nearly seven, but he is um a lot calmer. But I'm thinking back to what we did for coming up to five years ago actually now but tell us about the kind of things you do um to ensure your dog does you mature into that well-behaved um you know lovely family pet what kind of things can you um be considering to make that happen i think the first thing is to consider that they're not being malicious they are just being normal they still need training and they still need socialization um there's a lot of word about, you know, you need to socialise puppies up to the age of four months, you know, or beyond that, or no, it's too late. It's never too late. In fact, as the brain, the puppy brain, some of it switches off, new parts to the brain switch on. So teenage dogs need socialisation as much as you would do with a brand new puppy. And it's an ongoing process because if you want to build a dog that's resilient, you can take anywhere you've got to still socialize them but it's letting them explore in their own time so it it very much encouraging giving them time giving it time to work out yes they may have seen something before but in their foggy brain in their minds no it isn't isn't a brand new monster sat at the end of your driveway also known as a wheelie bin (laughs) and it's just giving them the space and i think we get very complacent. Oh, we've been there before and they can cope and we go to really busy, distracting environments and their stress levels and their coping levels and their threshold levels, they just get overwhelmed. And so either they go really loopy on the lead because obviously that's a stress response. It's just going silly on the lead 
or you know fight flight freeze and fool about and so people you know they're yanking on the lead but the dog's saying them i'm really uncomfortable but because it's somewhere they may have been before with the, with the puppy um the teenage dog sees the world a bit differently and it's just taking time so it's building that resilience by building calm impulse control being very much aware about helping them relax so i do a big chapter about teaching a dog how to be calm um about enrichment so it's finding things that's breed specific a sight hound isn't going to like scent work as much as a spaniel but there's other things that you can do there's other ways to engage their brain so you need to look at what your dog was bred to do and find suitable games because if you can meet those mental welfare needs yeah. you're going to come a long way in helping your dog into adulthood and actually have some fun with them rather than just look at all the stuff they do wrong yeah so again it, it's exploring it it's working with them re-going back to basics about focus yeah. you know your name means look at me exercises mm -hmm. all these little things that yeah, we taught them when they were 10 weeks old, but no, you need to reteach them. And actually, even as an adult dog, I still now do those, not even weekly or anything, Reba doesn't need that much, but I still go through some of the basic training with her because it's really good to keep it fresh. It's like when we learn languages, you learn language at school, but if you don't use it, you forget it. I know a few words of French. It used to be a lot better, but I've never used it in so many years that you get rusty with it. You forget the main components of it. And it's the same with the skills with your dog. It's like your recall training. Yeah, they might know, but you've got to keep working at it. You've got to keep practicing yeah. it so it, they remember it and they can apply it in different situations. Because it's not something that they're going to be really good at if you don't practice on something that they learned years ago. I think that's something that you take through life as well, isn't it? Like, I'm just thinking about, like, Patch, the, he goes a bit crazy. If he sees, he, his recall is, is okay, not amazing, but it's it's pretty good. But if he sees a ball thrower, oh, my gosh, he just goes bananas. Yeah. Goes racing across and then goes jumping up at the ball thrower. Um, and again, it's just, it's just a reminder, isn't it, that we do need to keep on top of these things, whether they're 17 months or, you know, he's coming up to seven, um, just to keep them... Yeah. Like it's like going to the gym, really, isn't it? Like it is, it is. And then falls by, fall by, falls by the wayside, doesn't it? <laughs> it is, but also they learn association. So the ball chuckers, I I don't like them because it makes dog move in unnatural ways. They go from static sleeping to charging around without warming up, and then get a lot of injuries. But that's a topic for another day. But it's associate they associate with very high adrenaline, and adrenaline is very addictive. Um, this is why people repeatedly go bungee jumping and skydiving and things like that, because they're adrenaline junkies. So as soon as they, the dog sees the ball chucker, it fires off a massive adrenaline spurt in their brain, which gets them all ready to be crazy, um, because that's the associate, association they've built up. Whereas if you want an adult dog that is calm, I'm not saying zombie, nobody wants a zombie dog. We want like them to have a little bit of um, sass about them. Um, but it's holding them back, rolling the board into maybe some long grass and letting them go and find them because you're going to engage more of their brain by using their noses. You're going to physically give them a better long-term chance because you, they're not leaping around 
landing awkwardly, spinning around. But also always being pumped full of adrenaline is not healthy long term. You want them to be more balanced in their in their hormones. So probably why Patch goes crazy at the ball charcoal, because it reminds him of this adrenaline addiction that they can have. Yeah. Um, sometimes it doesn't take a lot to build that association and then it sticks for a long time. No, I know. And it's like when and now if I see someone with a ball for I'm like, oh, nothing to see here, nothing to see here, giving him treats. Yeah, or, or you're shouting across, hide it, hide it. This is a horrible, horrible killjoy woman who's told me not to have fun with my dog. <laughs> um, so if you were, you, you've talked about loads of really great stuff here about like the, the lessons for adolescent dogs and, and that training is, it's a lifelong thing, isn't it? Um, and we've touched on a little bit about, you know, you know what the impact is if you don't, if your adolescent dog doesn't have the support that they need and sadly that can lead to dogs being in rescue um what advice would you give to somebody if they have an adolescent dog and they're in that situation that we, we, you've talked about here where they've like you know my dog has completely their behavior has completely changed when they were a puppy they were like this but now they've you know it's literally overnight they're you know they don't want to go for a walk or they don't you know when they see another dog they get frightened or, you know what I mean? If, if someone's struggling with their adolescent dog and they've seen changes, what kind of advice would you um, give to them? Um, so it's not just adolescent dog owners, but obviously puppy owners, because they're going to hit adolescent age as well. But the first thing is don't just, our automatic reaction is to keep turning the dog off. Yeah. And that doesn't work. Your dog doesn't understand. Just your face becomes scary to them. They don't understand. Um, Look for the positive things you do. Manage them. So if they need to be on a lead in certain areas, like my girl always goes on a lead, a harness and a lead, if we're down at the beach, because as soon as people arrive with picnics, I know I won't have a recall on her. Yeah. Her recall is really good, apart from picnics and fox poo. Yeah. <laughs> so it's management. It's management in those situations. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's look for the right advice. Yeah. There's a lot of people just go, oh, I'll just yank the lead, say no. But that doesn't work. You need to teach your dog what you want them to do and encourage and coach them into doing the right things, setting them up for success, yeah. not failure so you can tell them off. No one likes to be nagged and being told off all the time, dogs included. Yeah. Um, so obviously this is where my book comes in. Um, so it's on sale in Amazon. Um, and I offer online training I've got a new course which will be released in May um, about getting your dog to focus back to you. One of the key challenges with an adolescent dog, getting them to look and listen to you. Because if they're not looking, they're not listening. Um, and it's often getting their noses up and towards you so that they can actually understand you. <laughs> it's having that relationship and that connection. So, yeah, so it's getting um, advice from an accredited trainer um there's a lot of misinformation or there's a minefield of information it really can be challenging to know what to do and what not to do first of all anyone who has a teenage dog or a puppy will, will go through teenage an adolescent dog so you're definitely not alone nearly unless you've only ever rescued older dogs <laughs> you're very lucky um everyone everyone's gone through it um but look for professional advice um 
everyone's got their own theories and stuff and sometimes not everything you see on TV or read about is from people who know. Um, so yeah, it's obviously I help a lot of owners. I do some in-person locally here, but I'm doing more online and obviously I put the book out to help reach more people. Just say, don't give up on your dog. Yeah. Just, just go back to basics, take a breath. You're not, dog's not doing it to hurt you or out of spite. Um, it's normal. They're just being absolute normal. They're just being teenagers. Yeah. Oh, I love it. They will grow out of it. <laughs> but we, There's things that we can do to help them through that process, but they have to go through that process. It's just a natural part of development. What you said there about not giving up on your on your adolescent dog um, really struck a chord um, because I think you know most people they don't want to give up um, and I also think what you and I, I know you'll send me over relevant links for organisations um, and you know just letters to look out for on people's websites if you're looking for a force free trainer who's going to train your dog with kindness and in the way that you've just talked about here um, and in the way that we were very lucky to have with with our dog here who sat behind me as we're chatting um, but you know. All I would say, I've got a friend, we, we have a friend who has an adolescent dog uh, and he was, you know, he told, I, I remember I told you about it because Joe's one of my clients. Um, I told you about him saying, you know, we've heard about this trainer, he charges 100 quid an hour, he's told us to put a choke chain on her, but I really don't want to do it. And it's like, oh my God, there are people out there who can help you and help you train your dog in a way that feels right and feels kind. So if you're hearing things from people or, you know, you're getting advice from Dave from the chip who says to yank your dog around and he doesn't know his backside from his elbow. Go and find someone like Joe. Go or go and, you know, read. Uh, Joe will give me all the links to put in, um, put in this post and go and, you know, go and you know have a look at Joe's book um, because there's loads of ways, loads of stuff out there to help you train your dog um, and support you and ultimately, you know, give your dog the best chance of happiness and you as well. Um, so yeah, so sorry, I've gone off on my soapbox a little bit there, but it's something I feel really passionately about. And I just want people to know that, you know, I've been that dog owner who has had an aversive trainer tell me to do things that I didn't want to do with my dog. And it's why I'm always banging on about it and pushing people like you so people know um, that there is another way. Um, so yeah, so Joe, tell us where we can find her. I will put all the links underneath this um, podcast and underneath the blog post, but tell us about where we can find out more about you. So my, I've got a website, pippinpetsdogtraining.co.uk. I'm on Facebook um, at Pippin Pets, Dog, Pippin Pets Dog Training. Um, Instagram, which is at Pippin Pets. Um, I've got a podcast, the Pippin Pets podcast, which you can access again through my website. Um, I've got some interview chats on the podcast, which are actually on YouTube, Pippin Pets. And... Uh, what else oh yeah the book the book's on amazon <laughs> <laughs> i'm under there as joe sellers <laughs> no all very easy to find um and all roads lead to yeah all roads lead to pippin pets and now all roads lead to the book as well don't they which is brilliant um yeah i know i, I know i went off on there a little bit about about training with kindness but i know it's something that you you know you feel really strong oh absolutely yeah I, absolutely there, there's um a range of training methods yeah um some of them work better than others reward training for me it sticks and I like to teach kindly I don't want to scare my dog um 
you've got trainers who will do kind reward methods, but then put choke chains or e-collars on, um, you know, but I would say if I don't, if I want it done on me, I wouldn't want to use it on my dogs. So anything like electric shocks, spike collars, even the slip leads. I don't even like them because it chokes, they're choke leads. So if I think I don't want that tightened around my neck every time I go wandering off towards the cake shop, um, why would I put one on my dog? There, there's there's different methods, there's different fallouts, there's different, they all work for different reasons, but they're not all necessarily ethical. Um, and I just think to help your dog go through teenage, you need to keep that relationship strong. And if your dog is fearful of you, or equipment you use, you're not helping your dog. You're not helping the dog through this very informative learning stage. Talk a lot about very early puppy stages, but the teenage learning stage is equally as informative because that informs a whole adulthood. So yes, yeah, so there's a lot of reward-based trainers out there. I'm very much an advocate for that. Understanding a dog and your dog's body language, and there's a lot of organisations um, that have brilliant trainers in. Um, and like I said, I'll give you the links um, to the to those so that if people want in person, they can find their most local trainer to that. Yeah. Thanks, Jo. No, that would be brilliant. Thank you so much. Well, it's been amazing chatting to you. Thank you so much. Good luck with the book. Thank you. And, and Thank you. Brilliant work. And yeah, thanks so much for coming and talking to me. No, thank you very much. I've enjoyed it.